Thanks, JD. Again, welcome everybody. We are glad that you are here. And if you are watching because you're on spring break, you dirty, rotten scoundrels. All right, that's all I have to say. I hope it rains on you every single day this week. Hey, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. All right, we're just being biblical, that's all. <laughs> Hey, have you ever stopped to think about what it takes, though, to get from point A to point B? I know it's kind of a strange question, but, but for every task or for every journey, you, you don't just wake up to find that you have mysteriously arrived at your destination. Unless you're a college student, one day you wake up and you're like, I'm graduating. How did this happen? Otherwise, you kind of have to have a plan, and, and there's something that goes on in between. You've got this plan, you follow through, there is this creative process that you have to follow, there's, there's trial and there's error. You know, Thomas Edison once said that he discovered 2,000 ways not to make a light bulb. You fail, and then you fail better. That's what we have learned. And then eventually there is this momentum. And, and once things get rolling, it's just hard to slow down. You put one foot in front of the other. And before long, you find yourself that you're running. It's how NASA put a man on the moon in 1969. Even though eight years earlier, I love this, eight years earlier, the technology and the mechanics and the math did not exist to accomplish that goal. But you see where you are, and you see where you want to be, and you blast off. It's like, we've got to go. We've got to get from A to B. And so maybe you are going to be heading out for spring break. And so you point your car towards Florida, and you decide to make a pit stop at Bucky's, and then you're on your way. But look, if you're anything like me, you do not want to stop until you arrive at your destination. We got any other people in the room that's like that? I mean, my, my, my people know, all right? My family knows that if we're going on a trip, they better hoard like a squirrel before they get into the car, all right? Because when we, once we leave, we are not stopping. And you know that little arrival time that your Maps app gives you? You know that estimated arrival time? I take that as a personal challenge. I do, I take it. It is a personal challenge. If it says it's three and a half hours, we're getting there in 329. I mean, that's it. We're going to do it. Aaron, I see you shaking your head. You're that way, right? Man, we got to get there. We got to get to point B. We got to get to where we're going. We want to make it to our destination no matter what. And look, when we get there, you better get out of our way because we're either starving or we got to go to the bathroom. So just get out of our way because we are moving. But you want to go from point A to point B. And whether you we're talking about spring break or, or moon landings or light bulbs, Nothing is going to stop us from getting to our desired destination. And nothing was going to stop Jesus from getting to his. The Apostle Paul described Jesus' journey from, from point A to point B. He, he described that journey from heaven to earth by saying that though he was God, though he was God, Jesus did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. And in obedience to God, he died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, I just want us to pause for just a minute. Now, oftentimes, when, we're, when we come here, we, we kind of roll from one thing to the other. We, 
we've got kind of our introduction and we go through songs and we have communion, we got prayer, we got scripture, we just kind of flow, we get the kids out of the room and it's all right, lesson time and here we go, then we're going to Bojangles, right? Um, But let's just stop just for a minute. I just want to pause for a moment and and I just want to sit here, I want us to sit here in silence and I just want to give thanks for the length that Jesus went in order to accomplish his mission. And give thanks for the fact that he would not let anything stop him from reaching the goal of God. Will you just sit here for a moment and just give in prayer thanks to God. Father, we have shared bread and cup already today. And oftentimes we use that as kind of like a speed bump to get to whatever the next thing is that we're going to do. And yet as we were sharing just that small symbol, it was a reminder of the length that you would go. The length that you would go to accomplish the ultimate mission. To reach the final destination to make sure that your creation was going to again be one with you. And Father, we, we get sidetracked and we think about a lot of different things and, and our minds just overflow with all kinds of information. But just for a minute, I want you to be able, I want you to be able to be the only thing that is present within our mind and heart. as we think about what had to take place to get from heaven to earth, to to get then from point A to point B, from the cradle to the grave. Thank you for not stopping short. Thank you for not listening to the naysayers. Thank you for, thank you for not giving in to the temptations of the evil one. Thank you for being determined to forgive our sins. Thank you, for, thank you for the love that you demonstrated and that you were willing to give your only son so that we might be your children. Allow that unstoppable purpose, allow that sense of focus to be present in our lives as we live here for you. May we never forget the link that you went to. Let's not forget what happened between A and B and how you refuse to be stopped from achieving your purpose. We praise you. We say thank you this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, it was only 15 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. Just 15 miles. That's it. Some of you run that much in a weekend. 15 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. But if Jesus had stopped in Jericho, If he had just stopped in Jericho, there would have been no Jerusalem. But if there had been no Jerusalem, then that means there would have been no cross. If there had been no cross, there would have been no atonement. If there had been no no atonement, then that means there would have been no salvation. 
But Jesus' time had come, and he was determined that nothing was going to stop him. He was not going to stop short. He was not going to stop in Jericho. And so he brings the 12, and he takes them aside, and he says to them, we are going to Jerusalem. We're going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, and, and they will spit on him. They will flog him. And they will kill him. Now look, you can tell a lot about a person by the way that he or she faces their final journey. And the way that Jesus walked towards the holy city that was covered in the shadow of the cross, it left no doubt. He had come for this moment. Now he usually surrounded himself with people and he was walking with crowds, but not this time. He was out in front. In fact, Mark intentionally tells us that Jesus was leading the way. And so I want you to forget any thought that Jesus was trapped. And I want you to erase from your mind any theory that maybe he had made a miscalculation. And ignore any speculation that the cross was some last-ditch effort to save a failing ministry. Luke tells us that Jesus resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. He wanted to go to Jerusalem on purpose. Because he was a man on a mission. And he refused to let himself become distracted. I love how author and speaker Levi Lesko, he captured it best when he wrote about Jesus saying that Jesus lived, preached, and prayed like a man running out of time. Like a man running out of time. He never lost sight of the purpose for which he came. It was not a surprise that he went to Jerusalem. There was no faltering in his steps. There was no hesitation. We're going to Jerusalem. And the gospel writers, well, they want all of us to join Jesus, to join in with the crowd that's following Jesus on his way to the holy city. Did you know that the Passion Week, that, that last and final week in Jesus' life, that it takes up nearly 40% of the combined gospel narrative? It's as if everything in heaven slows down when it gets to this point so that we don't miss out. But why is this final week so important? Why is such a disproportional amount of focus placed on such a small fraction of Jesus' life? I think it's because it's not just that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's the fact that Jesus is on his way to his destiny. He's walking the last miles of a road that began way back in Eden. And he's walking this journey for Adam, and he's walking it for Eve, and for Moses, and for David, and for Mary, and for Paul. And he's making this trip for, for me, and he's making this trip He's making it for you. And heaven does not want us to miss the unstoppable purpose of Jesus. He was born to die. He was born to die. You know, but I think that there's a tendency for the life of Christ to overshadow the purpose of Christ. And so we read the Jesus story, and we come across these amazing miracles, and, and there are events that just cannot be explained by our human senses. And they're awesome. They are, they're really amazing. And John in his gospel will say that these were signs that point to the fact that Jesus is God. But Jesus did not come primarily to perform miracles. That wasn't his mission. Now, and Jesus preached some fantastic sermons. But he did not come to give mesmerizing messages. And his life and his personal ethos were countercultural and it was inspiring and he was compassionate, and, and he was virtuous, and he demonstrated righteousness and justice. But he did not come so that we could make 
what would Jesus do memes and put them out on social media and then decide, well, I'm going to follow him. Jesus came to die. That was his purpose because it was God's plan to redeem his creation. I want you to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, for everyone is sinned. Everyone is sinned, Scripture tells us. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God, now notice this, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. Now that word that's translated presented means to set forth in advance to achieve a particular purpose. To achieve a particular purpose in advance. Jesus was born to die. That's why he came. And yet, yes, he, he came to proclaim the good news and to say, hey, look, there's going to be freedom for prisoners and there's going to be recovery for sight to the blind. And yes, he came to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And yes, he came to seek and to save the lost. And, and yes, he came to show us, look, this is what God is like. But the only way that any of those things has meaning and weight is if Jesus dies as God's perfect, prepared sacrifice. And so he says, we're going to Jerusalem. But Jesus, all the lepers haven't been healed yet. Have you ever thought about that? And I will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. But Jesus, there's still poor people to feed. You can't do this. And I'll be handed over to the Gentiles who will mock me and spit on me and flog me. But Jesus, there's still sermons to preach. And I will, I will die. They will kill me. But Jesus, there's still so much work to do. You can't let this happen. Get behind me, Satan. For you're a stumbling block to me. And you don't have in mind the concerns of God. Can you begin to see more clearly why Jesus rebuked Peter for suggesting that he not go to Jerusalem? Can you start to see a little more clearly why he rejected Satan's offers in the wilderness? And why he refused to let the crowds crown him king? And why he resolutely accepted the cup of suffering in Gethsemane? Can you begin to understand why he would pray on the eve of his crucifixion? He would pray, I brought glory to you here on this earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Can you begin to understand why with his very last breath, Jesus would say, it is what? Finished. Jesus came to die. He was born to die. And nothing was going to stop him from going to the cross because he knew his purpose. And my question for us, though, I wonder if we know ours. Do you know your purpose? Do you know why you were born? You know, it's been said that the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. Google the question, why am I here? I did that, and I got 4.8 billion entries. Yeah, 4.8 billion the question is asked differently depending on what stage of life that you're in. Some of you ask the question by saying, well, what am I going to be when I grow up? Or what should my major or my career be? Or am I happy with what I've done in my life thus far? 
But no matter how we ask the question, no matter how it's phrased, everyone is desperate to discover their why. So Samuel Beckett wrote a play called Breath. And it lasts for 35 seconds. That's it. Now, now no offense to uh, Miss Lori Workman, who puts on some awesome plays. 35 seconds. That's my kind of play. <laughs> that, that, that's good. It, it begins with a dark stage. It begins with a dark stage, and then you hear the sound of a newborn baby's cry, followed by a breath that's being drawn in slowly. Simultaneously, the lights on the stage begin to go up, and you see a pile of garbage that is spread out on the stage. Then the breath is slowly let out, and the lights go dim until the stage is dark again. And then there's a second cry, and the play is over. Beckett's message is pretty clear. Life is garbage, and it's over in a single breath. You see, for him, life is meaningless. There is no purpose to our individual lives. But I'm thankful, and I'm here to tell you this morning, that Scripture disagrees with Beckett's dark and pessimistic assessment. Tune in on Romans chapter 11 and verse 36. It declares that there is actually a reason for your existence. If you're wondering, hey, why am I even here? Why was I born? There is a reason, and it's found there in Romans chapter 11. We're told that everything comes from God. Everything comes from God and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. We have an unstoppable purpose. We exist for the glory and honor of God. That's why we're here. That's why we have breath. And honoring God involves discovering the picture of what our lives could and should be. And until we discover that picture, there's always going to be a hole that is within our soul. But look, I don't want you to worry and think, well, where am I going to go to find out how am I supposed to glorify God and how am I supposed to honor him? God doesn't cause us to just helplessly wander around wondering, well, what do I need to do? Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, God has given each of you a gift. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then I love how this closes out then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Everything you do then will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. You see, God has gifted each of us in a very unique way. And look, if you have a lot of ease speaking in front of people, if it's easy for you to get up and talk in front of others, then use your time and talent to speak God's grace with God's graciousness. And, and do you have an empathetic heart? Do you have one of those hearts that are just drawn to the, the hurt and suffering of others? Then go and pour yourself out into their care and into their encouragement, knowing that God will always give you the strength and the energy that you need. You see, spiritual giftedness does not always equal the miraculous. It says there's a great variety of spiritual gifts. And sometimes spiritual giftedness just equals the ordinary being used to bring heaven to earth. 
Sometimes it just means that you take your ordinary gift that God has blessed you with and you say, God, this is, this is why I'm here, to use this for your honor and for your glory. So how is it that you have been uniquely blessed by God? Are you good with numbers? Do you have a unique voice? Like Jeremy Davis, are you able to understand multiple languages and it all just kind of makes sense to you? Do others seek out your wisdom like they do Mr. Ron Rogers? Do you have a special talent or ability that's brought you a, a special forum or a special following? And it could be in person, it could be on TikTok, I don't know. But whatever your giftedness is, wherever it might be, then use that gift in service to others. And in doing so, you are going to be able to bring honor and glory to God because you've been using your unique gift. And everything that you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Hey, focus on one more passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says that we are all God's masterpiece because he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that, so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now look, don't, I don't want you to miss this. First of all, you are God's masterpiece. You're you're God's masterpiece. That means you are God's creation. That means you are something that God planned. That means that God didn't make a mistake. That means that God wanted you to be you, just like you are. So here, say this with me. I am a masterpiece. Now I want you to say it like you really believe that, that you've just found out that, well, God created you for a purpose. You are a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece. Say it loud. Yes, that is it. I am a masterpiece. Do you know what it means? That we're a product of God's vision? That we were created by God? That God decided what we could and should be in order to accomplish great things that he had planned a long time for us to do? Guys, we exist for the glory and honor of God. There is purpose in our life. And we must not allow anyone or anything to stop that purpose. You see, we were created and recreated with this very purpose in mind. But until a person understands this, life just never makes sense. And, and so we go from one thing to another, trying to figure out, well, why am I here? And we'll read this book and we'll watch this video and we're trying to find out, why was I born? But it's not until we realize that we were made by God and that we were made for God that life truly begins to make sense. Because as this becomes clear, once we realize that we were never meant to take our talents and our abilities and our experiences and our opportunities and our education and just run off in any direction that we please, well, then an unstoppable purpose begins to unfold. We exist for the glory of God. That's what we're here for. My question is, are you living out your purpose? Are you fulfilling the purpose for which God put you here? Or have you been using your talents and your abilities and all the things that you've been able to accumulate that now makes you who you are? Have you been using it for your selfish indulgement? Have you been using it thinking, well, I'm just here, I've just got to try to get by. I've got to try to make a way. I've just tried to get by the best that I can. Or are you using what God has given you in order to bless others and to bring him glory and praise? Well, if you find yourself struggling with this, let me give you some encouragement as we wrap this idea up. You know, earlier we did not read the entirety of Mark's text. 
We left off with Jesus telling his followers that Jerusalem would mean his death. But he also told them that Jerusalem would mean his life. He said, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will spit on him. They will flog him, and they will kill him. And then three days later, and I can picture Jesus with a little smile that's there on his face, right? As he goes through this, and he's looking into the eyes of the disciples as they're hearing this and trying to understand. They can't make sense of it at all. And he looks at him and says, three days later, he will rise. And can you, can you imagine all hell shaking at that? Can you imagine Satan saying, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. But Jesus knew his purpose. And it was the promise, it was the promise of the resurrection that made Jesus unstoppable as he walked to Jerusalem. You see, he knew that that his death meant life. He knew that his death meant life for him and for all creation. Guys, Jesus was born to die. That was the purpose. That is why the Son came. But he said that we die to live. See, if you're, if you're wondering, well, how do I use my giftedness for God? And, and how do I get away from just focusing entirely on myself and, and using all that I am just for my own honor and glory? Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, then you must give up your own way. Now, he says this right after he tells the disciples, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. But I'm going to be raised And if you want to come along, if you want to be a part, if you want to go from A to B, then you've got to give up your own way. And you've got to take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, he says, you will lose it. If you try to use, use all that ability, if you try to use all that talent, if you try to use all that giftedness just for yourself, you will never accomplish the heights that God has prepared for you. But if you give up your life, he says, if you give up your life for my sake, then you will save it. Friends, we are on a journey from death to life. We're on the road to resurrection. From point A to point B. From existing solely for ourselves to living solely for God. And because Jesus fulfilled his purpose, Because Jesus Jesus fulfilled his purpose, that means we can fulfill ours. You see, the promised resurrection that encouraged him, it empowers us. And so every area of our life should be driven by the need to fulfill the purpose of God. You don't let anything stop you. You don't let anything stop you from fulfilling your purpose. You don't let anything stop you in your marriage or in your singleness or in your parenting or when it comes to your character, or when it comes to your activism, to your career, to your hobbies, to your outreach, or to your self-sacrifice, to your spiritual growth. Don't let anything or anyone stop you from bringing honor and glory to God. Because to stop short and to stay in Jericho is to circumvent the will of God for our lives. Guys, Jesus walked to Jerusalem so that we could walk with God. It's why we're here. And so today is a very important day. 
So go ahead, take out the calendar that's there on your phone, and you need to make a note because you have discovered today why. You already have your birthday marked in your phone, right? I mean, you've got that day. How many of you in your calendar actually mark your own birthday? Go ahead, be honest, right? Am I the only one? All right, I got one brother over here that actually is as self-centered as I am. That's good. Yeah, I put it in my calendar. My birthday, right? Amy, did you do that? You just celebrated a birthday? Yeah. Man, that's a big day, right? And we want to celebrate that. We put it on the calendar. We plan around it. We want good things to happen. We want people to celebrate us. We want to get all those messages on Facebook. And, and we want to have everybody say, hey, I saw it was your birthday and happy birthday. And we want the cakes and we want the party. We want it all. It's a big day. But today has also been a big day for you. Because perhaps for the first time, you have discovered why you're actually here. Why you even have that birthday to celebrate. You've discovered your why. Your life is not meaningless. You have been created by God to use your unique giftedness for his glory. So leave here this morning determined that you will not allow anyone or anything stop you on your road to resurrection. I promise you, you'll be walking in good company. Why don't we stand and give praise and honor to God?